Welcome. Today is Friday, the twenty-third of February. I'm your host Anastasia Yuglova, and I regret deeply even having to discuss the events talked about in this particular episode of Cato Daily Podcast. Egyptian blogger Abdel Karim Nabil Salomon, who goes by the blogger name Karim, was sentenced to four years in prison yesterday for the crimes of spreading information disruptive of public order, incitement to hate Muslims, and insulting the president. In an op-ed that ran in the Washington Post just a day before Karim's sentencing yesterday, Cato senior fellow Tom Palmer and Dean Raja Kamal of the Harris School of Public Policy at the University of Chicago argued for Karim's release and for the preservation of press freedoms in Egypt. They lost this battle, but the campaign continues at www.freekareem.org. That's www.freekareem.org. I'm on the phone today with Tom Palmer for this podcast. Tom, what landed this Egyptian kid in jail at just the age of 22? Well, he had maintained a personal blog, as many college students do all around the world, with his views about all sorts of things, hardly uncommon. But he touched the nerve of the administrators at the university where he studied. He referred to it as a center of extremism, and he said that he even called a terrorist university, Al Azhar University. And he was expelled for having criticized the university in, in strong terms. And then, and really just a shame and a disgrace to a university, they demanded that the prosecutors prosecute him for his remarks and pointed him out to the authorities. He was detained in spring of last year for some period of time, but then released. He continued to write. And his writings drew again the attention of the public prosecutor, with the support of the university doing this. And he was detained. The detention was extended and extended and extended and extended without access, in many cases, to lawyers or anyone else. And he was formally charged with inciting sedition, spreading information that would lead to public disorder, insulting the president, and spreading contempt of Islam. And now he's been convicted for four years. How common is this in Egypt? What is the history of free speech there? Well, this is the very first time that someone has been prosecuted for the content of what was written on a blog. And in this regard, this is a first. I hope it is the last in Egypt. Egypt has had a very mixed history with regard to press freedom. Generally, it's extremely restricted. However, there were some good signs in recent years. That the government was beginning to allow a little bit of free and independent press. Egypt has what many countries have, which is media socialism. The newspapers are owned by the state, television is owned by the state, radio is owned by the state, and of course, unsurprisingly, they reflect a point of view consistent with ownership by the state. So that's media socialism. But they had recently allowed private newspapers to be established and to print things. I won't say without censorship, but much more freely than in the past. And therefore, this move against Karim is an enormous step backwards—a real mistake by the Egyptian authorities, who had been allowing more freedom, a little more openness. That's a very healthy thing for society, and now they've taken this terrible backward step at the cost of the liberty and, we fear, perhaps the life of this young man. Do Egyptian authorities understand that they're actually hurting themselves more than helping their country by putting Karim away? It's possible that some do. 
clearly the prosecutor in Alexandria who pursued this case did not, and uh, I think this was a little bit of a revenge match against Kareem. Kareem is very outspoken, and he refused to take back or recant any of the opinions. He said, this is what I think, this is what I wrote, I will not take it back, just because you threatened me with force. You've met Kareem, haven't you? Yes, we met at a conference that we organized. Cato was a co-sponsor for Middle Eastern bloggers. We had speakers from Kuwait, from Jordan, and from Sweden and the United States and Morocco and other countries to talk about how to set up a blog, how to maintain a blog. And very importantly, one of the sessions was what to do if you get in trouble for what you wrote about your blog and what other people can do to help you. And it turns out we're very glad that we had that session. Were Egyptian authorities out to make an example of Karim? I mean, there were other bloggers in Egypt that are critical of Islam and critical of their government, but they haven't been jailed. So why Karim? I think one of the differences is that although there were other bloggers who were jailed for releasing information or showing pictures that some of the local authorities found embarrassing, they were sent a message and then released. Abdul Karim is a very tough-minded young man. He's quiet and shy in person, but he doesn't let people push him around at all, and he refused to recant any of his views. I had been in contact with him through instant messaging and online chat over the months prior to his arrest, and I, I warned him. I said, you should be careful about these things. And he responded consistently, I will write things that I believe to be true and no one can stop me from speaking what I think is the truth. A young person like that is very difficult for the authorities to deal with, and they decided to come down on him extremely hard. So I think he received a much harsher punishment than many of the other people who have been in somewhat similar circumstances. Do you think that the freedoms of other bloggers and writers in Egypt are at stake in the sentencing? There's no question. Absolutely not. This is a very clear message. Shut up. Just shut up. And even if this terrible travesty of justice and this very serious mistake were to be corrected, it still stands as a serious warning because Karim has already suffered in prison. The loss of freedom should not be underestimated how important that is, but also the loss of freedom under terrible conditions. Indeed, one reporter who was present at the trial said it was quite clear after he was led away and put into the police truck, he heard him being beaten immediately after being put into the truck. Where do you think that the problem lies? Is it in the university that prohibits dissent or the legal system that jails people for it? That's an extremely complicated question, and I'm not sure that there's a simple answer. The big problem is people who are afraid of free criticism and dissent because they don't understand one of the strengths of a society is allowing people to express their views. That's how we test our views. And indeed, when it comes even to religion, because one of the charges was that he had expressed contempt for Islam, his most staunch and brave defenders are themselves pious and observant Muslims who say, we are not afraid of allowing people to criticize our religion. We will not close our ears. It merely strengthens our view to hear the criticism and reaffirm our religious faith. And so that's the right attitude to have for a progressive society. Let people be critical. 
And you will come out stronger as a consequence. Your society will be stronger. You will have a more vigorous and robust society. It's the foundation of scientific progress, political and social progress. The attempt to shut people up is an absolute recipe for stagnation in every region, economic, political, scientific, social. Now, there was significant international outrage over Karim's initial arrest. Can anything still be done to secure his release? Oh, there's no question about that also. A great deal can be done. And one of the things that I've been urging people to do, and I hope actually every listener to this podcast will consider doing, and I hope that you will do it, is to contact the Egyptian embassy in your country with a respectful letter, not a letter full of anger because it will probably only make things worse for him, but a letter that says we urge the Egyptian authorities to correct this mistake. Very simple. It's a mistake. It's bad for Egypt. It's much worse for Egypt to put this young man in prison than to allow him his freedom. And so we have been encouraging the Egyptian authorities simply to correct the mistake. And in doing so, it is very important if people really care about the freedom of this young man and about the prospects for free speech in the region, that when doing so, we not be disrespectful to Islam and also that we not be disrespectful to the governmental authorities. They need to be able to save face. It's a very important element of the culture in the region that honor and respect be maintained. And so we're just saying a mistake has been made. We strongly encourage you in the interests of your own country to correct it. I'd like to add one more thing, and that is that people who want to get additional information can go to www.freekareem, F-R-E-E-K-A-R-E-E-M dot O-R-G. And there's online petitions to sign. You can get the text of his indictment, information from other organizations, translations of some of the things that he wrote. There's a wide range of information available. And it's an important campaign led, I should point out, by young Middle Eastern bloggers, all of whom are Muslims, all of whom are sincere in their religion, all of whom support freedom of speech. The majority of support for the Cato Institute's work comes from individuals, and Cato depends solely on tax-deductible contributions to provide the public with a wealth of free resources, including this podcast. We hope you'll consider supporting or even joining Cato. For information, please go to www.cato.org.